It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond. Welcome back. It's good to have you back. I think my had the show go my, last week. My intro was a lot better than yours last week, but you yeah. can work on yours. It wasn't my best intro, was it? You are you're a bit crook. Oh, I mate. said family commitments because I didn't know if I was allowed to say you were crook, but you were crook. I have never been crooker in my life. I got tested positive for influenza A. I went to bed Tuesday. Is that like got, hepatitis Z? And got out and got out Thursday. It was unbelievable. And Shouldn't have played last weekend, Patrick. And the worst thing. <laughs> It's gone through all my kids and my wife now, yeah. so my house is like ground zero. It's of... actually like The Simpsons where it's covered in a <laughs> big blanket. Yes, like, it's just like this pathogen-ridden cesspool you would have been sickness. The, you would have been the sickest, though. I buy more. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? <laughs> no, no, like, I, I get that you might have had the flu, but I really had the flu. I was sicker. <laughs> Like, it's like this competition you have with people. Yeah, but I was bedridden. Yeah, well, so was I. No, but I, you know, but I was sick. You know, one thing it wasn't like that with was COVID. Everyone was opposite. Oh, I didn't even get sick with COVID. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the flu, it killed me. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, no, Jesus. I mean, it's rubbish about inoculations. COVID was fine. Just keep the next person. No, they died. <laughs> Just so, keep your uh, 1.5 from me, please. Yeah, apologies for that. <laughs> hey, let's get into a bit of 4x4 four four news. Now, I sent this to you uh, this morning. Merck have released a bit of a teaser around their G-Class wagon, which is their very, very famous sort of G-Class wagon. Uh, Army used it for a long period of time. And then the, the, the Kardashians made it famous, essentially. Um, and it's due for release in 2023. The reason this is rather interesting for us as a... Uh, you know, our four by four news and outdoor news is it's an EV, but it can do a three sixty degree turn in one spot. It comes with bow thrusters. <laughs> it does. How cool is it? Did it, you find that amazing? Yeah, I did. I was really confused on how it was working until I read it. So, because of the fact that these EV vehicles now they're all, um, you know, they can have an engine for each wheel essentially. They could all turn in different directions, so it can spin on itself. It's it's almost like it's a bottle top and it, it turns. That's, it that's uses, how you describe it. It uses four electric motors yeah. to spin 360 degrees on its own. And it, 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 how weird does it look? It looks like a tank. Stupid. We don't need to do that. Why are we turning 360 degrees? We're driving a car. I was, looks- I was going to say, <laughs> does it help you with parking, potentially? No, because the car parks don't even fit, fit the width of my ute, let alone 316 out of it. <laughs> Volkswagen Combi has been teased uh, in terms of you know, when we'll get it in Australia. We're not sure, 2024. But what we have seen, Redmond, and this is an iconic vehicle, the Combi is turning all electric, but the price will shock you. If overseas pricing is a guide for us, you're looking at, Ninety to a hundred thousand dollars to get behind the wheel of one of these once it hits Australia. Have you ever been to Combi? You a Combi fan? I actually have been to Combi. I was in the surfing world for a long time, and all the surfers seemed to have Combis back in the day, and they're cool. There was a lot of <laughs> a lot of commentary around the price. It's a lot of money, ninety to hundred grand. Uh, ironically, it's what they sell second hand for at the moment as well. People, oh, think really? <laughs> mate, people think they're worth a fortune. Yeah. I, I I wouldn't buy one. I no, don't. Either not even I. as like a family car either. $100,000. Yeah. I'm not a fool of that. 
Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the other thing we'll skip through a little bit, and you're getting sick of this quite clearly. Um, no, Hendra, no, I've just looked at that car, and I think it actually looks really poor too. The, what it, what well, do you think? I don't think it, it looks like... It's the electrified version of everything, but at at ninety to a hundred thousand dollars, there are a lot of other really capable four by fours in the market, and that's what we're interested in. Let's be. <laughs> yeah, honest. I was going to say that's a category we always fall into. <laughs> How far does this tow? Uh, yeah, well, I'm not sure that has not not hugely excited by that. Hey, federal government. <laughs> um, Planning on oh, implementing. You, you just said we're going to move on from this because I was getting sick of it. Then you go into the federal government. Yeah, but this one is interesting oh, for right us, oh, Redmond. Here we go. Uh, around the implementation and imposing a capital gains tax on used cars. Now they're calling it the Land Cruiser Levy, given the <laughs> absurd cost of secondhand Land Cruisers at the moment. But it will apply to all vehicles sold at a price above their agreed value based on. Uh, conditions of the market prior to April 1, 2020. So this, the purpose of this is to remove any sort of inflation pricing for the second-hand car market that we've seen just out of control over but the that's past only, 24, 24 months. But that's only because we you get a choice and people are choosing to do that. That they're the, Us people are the ones that are making the price that, that price. Yeah, but it's just everywhere at the moment. The inflation in the second-hand car market, it's just insane. These vehicles are not worth what people no, are no, selling they're not. them for, I agree. what they're buying them for. But you also have that choice. You do. And yeah. people continue to choose to buy it. We'll go an example. We'll go Land Cruiser Toyota. Toyota Land Cruiser. They have a set price, of not a set price, a, price, a ridiculous price right now for a second-hand car. I saw one the other day, 2017 model. It had done 52,000 Ks on my way into Geelong at the service yard. I think it was, um, I forget the name of the dealership. Anyway. 2017 model, 52,000 Ks, $136,000. Yes, but that's only because it's going to sell. Like, are you kidding me? Why are people paying for this, though? I, it's just ridiculous. But why are people paying for it, though? Because of the reputation and, and you know, whatnot. And people have this fear of, oh, V8s are going out. We better get the last ones. Mm. Every new car that comes out, I promise you one thing, it is better than the old car. You, the engine is better than the old engine. Yeah. Like, Stop being like you know they're not idea. building. You know they're stopping seventy nine series now. They're not building them anymore. No, they are. But you know how long the wait list is. We had this on the show a few. A few no, weeks they're, back. They're, yeah, they're literally only like last week they announced they stopped building because Kane had a friend of mine had one on order and he just cancelled it because he's looking two at and it. a half years. The yeah. wait is well, he was managed to get one within eighteen months and he had one coming in. He stopped it because of the new F one fifty he wants, and because of the new F one fifty coming in, he wants to get that. And makes sense, but then he literally found out that now they're going to stop bringing him into Australia. So he's fueling now because of that money that you've just spoken about of the the Land Cruiser fee that you pay absolutely is so it's real. It's it's well and truly real. But even in the caravanning well, market and the boating market, so the inflation is across the board. Well, then just for example, a North Bank six fifty uh, six hundred that I've got. Uh, say retails for will just roughly work off one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, well, that's a lot of money for a six meter boat, and I'm not just picking. Mine was seventy one in two thousand and ten. Yeah, so that's the prices that we're dealing with. Just the, the price raise. Um, well, yeah, anyway. Ford have confirmed delays locally for the locally developed Ranger now arriving in July, and there's also customers being asked to. Uh, to fork out an extra up to $6,000 delivery fee. So Ford Australia have been telling customers to shop around dealerships. An extra six grand just for delivery. Can they do that? Well, they can. It's not illegal. Hence why Ford Australia have been saying, shop your dealers, don't just stick to the ones. So that's sort of the the, the, you know, the car market at the moment at large. Pretty interesting space, particularly for those that, you know, preparing ahead away on... Mm. You know, trips around Australia and those sorts of things. And I like to put a Ranger as such in there as they're a user friendly family car, a Ranger. Like they're a good they're a good work car for someone that goes out and is a chippy or whatnot, but they're also a safe family car too. Yeah, but you don't want to be paying an extra six. That's what I was about to say. It's, I don't fee. want to, you don't want to see that That's fee on ridiculous. top of it. You're already you're already paying a lot of money, let alone another six thousand dollars for it just to be delivered. I don't know, I shopped around for Kari to find a new car and I basically went for the warranty in the car that we bought for our family car 
the warranty was just outstanding. Well, it depends what you want out of a car, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Family, whatnot, four-wheel driving, whatever it is. School holidays aren't far away. Vic Fisheries have been stocking around the Traps, Redmond, uh, Stony Creek, Upper Stony Creek Reservoir. They've stocked 10,000 rainbow trout, uh, 10,000 browns. Uh, also, Lake, is it Jillian near Warnable? They've been uh, stocked with 1,000 browns and 1,500 rainbows. Um, there's stocking that's happening right around the state uh, over the sort of next months, as, as there always is, but particularly coming up into the school hollows, it really does pay uh, to keep an eye on where Vic Fisheries have been stocking heavily because it really does help you um, if you can... You pick your spots. You can you can get fish. kids into fishing. That's my yeah. that's my view on it. And you have a pretty good chance of catching some pretty you know I, decent sized fish. I see as well. some ridiculous comments under these uh, posts on social media. I was like, Vic Fisheries go out. They put all these trout in. Blah blah blah. They're trying to get people into fishing. Get them out the door. Get them into the outdoors and yep. off the t- computer. Now you see some people writing in there. It's not the same as catching a, a six pound trout in a creek like this. It's like. They're the people that have never oh. actually caught a six-pound trout. <laughs> Probably. They are, they are. Just be happy. Don't like, complain about it. No matter what you do in this world sometimes, you just cannot win. Like Look at that with- sky. It's... Oh, no, no clouds in that. Well, in my day... We're going to get sunburned. There were, there were plenty of clouds. <laughs> hey, tell me about this Mako during the week. I don't want to talk about it. It made me very upset and sad. One of those... You know those sad things? Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those moments... What a shocking day. I posted actually on my Instagram story how my day went during the week. I had a couple of decent days. Caught some local barrel bluefin. Didn't actually get to talk about it much last week because you weren't on the show, which yes. we might even talk about after the Mako, but we... Well, we're going to cover that in, in the probably whip, a bit of length around. around the whip around. No worries. Yep. Well, we, anyway, we headed offshore trying to chase school sharks, and this time of the year we get a lot of school sharks, and the great fish to catch, and I think they taste 10 times better than gummy sharks. They're really good eating Beautiful. sharks. That's one of the things Like a that clean it, taste. Yeah, it's a bit lost, isn't it? Yeah, people always compare them to gummies. Oh, it's very similar. I think I, I think it's I think I've given you a couple of bits of school, and you've yep. said the same thing. And nearly everyone I speak to, once they actually think about it, it's a fair bit of difference. But we set up. This was my day. We went out at the bar on River Patrick, and there was a fellow broken down, so I had to tow him in. That's all good. Great, great start of the day. You've done that a fair bit lately. <laughs> An hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> because get it's slow through the river against the tide tone. Anyway, but if it was you in that situation, oh, no, that's that's not the issue there. I mean, yep. it was, but it wasn't the issue. But we towed him back, got him back to the ramp. No dramas. Headed back out, anchored up on this reef that we like to fish for schoolies. Caught nothing, nothing. Got a, we got a nice snap around three kilo. Couple Hang on, of, I can relate to that. <laughs> keep, keep going. That's the most comments I had on my Instagram. <laughs> keep, keep, keep we, going. We, we caught nothing for a bit longer, and then Hang good, on. <laughs> Yep, I can relate to that. Do you want me to go a little bit longer too? Because we still fished a little bit longer. Did you have any biscuits? Because that's generally, you know, I get to the stage where... I'm Kane made some beautiful chicken burgers that we were into. Cam White come up and anchored right next to us, like 40 metres away. The we'll cricketer. Do, the cricketer coming out and anchor. He'd been fishing. He got six of them the day before me. So what was he sitting in the Eden Craft? He's Eden Craft, six metres, sat next to me. And the prick he is, he dropped his bait down and hooked two of them off his first two baits and landed two school sharks in the matter of, I reckon, 15 minutes. Meanwhile, he's landing his second fish. What was the head wobble like from him? Oh, massive. It always is massive from the creator. <laughs> and he, uh, he's just laughing at me. And then, I'm, meanwhile, I there's go... Wobble, there's wobble at the best of days. <laughs> he was starting to... I was winding up with seven gill shark, which I... It actually pulled a bit of line. I'm like, oh, maybe a decent gummy, because we're in deep water. Yeah. It was a seven gill. <laughs> Meanwhile, behind, and he just laughed. Meanwhile, behind the seven gill, this Mako, it would have been seven to eight foot. It would have had to be, say, 120 to 150 kilo. It was a bit hard. To, I don't know, weights like the size of it. You'd put it, it was well over 100 kilos. Let's put it, it that looked way. big. It was massive. It was Bruce. It has stormed over, like, top of the water pat, fin out at this seven gill, and nailed it on the side. And then I left the seven gill in the water there while I'm trying to get a trace ready, trying to keep the shark there. And the yep. shark's just pacing around it. Believe it or not, well, I had no trace in the boat because uh, I'd been fishing out of your boat a bit. I left the kit in the uh, in the shed. I'm like, I won't need that stuff today. Don't worry about it. I needed it. Anyway, <laughs> I quickly rigged up a kit. I chuck it a bait, and it didn't want it. Anyway, the seven gill broke off, and it sort of followed the seven gill away, and then it come back to the boat, and then I threw the bait to it. I reckon three or four more times, and it kept looking at it. And when I mean looking at it, it was touching it with its nose. Isn't that funny? And then it just swam off, like gone. Like a, a shark that can be so aggressive, and these are known to l- genuinely attack boats. So aggressive, 
Yeah, you put a chunk of bait out in front of it. I put half a fish, half a salmon head. I put a whole salmon head. I put a fillet of salmon out. I put a fillet of snapper out. I tried everything it wanted. The and only it's thing, not interested. The only thing I didn't have was a live seven gill, which was eight the first time. So anyway, which was how big? Oh, well, that was probably six, seven foot on its own. That was probably like a 50, 60 kilo seven gill. And this thing looked... Isn't that amazing? Like it was massive and it stormed it. Like it absolutely hammered at this thing. It was pretty cool to see, but I wanted to fight. I wanted to catch it. We probably would have let it go because it was quite a big fish, but we wanted to have a bit of fun. So normally, you know, your plan in order to try and capture one of these is keep it interested. All we'll throwing it burly at the time. Like yep. We didn't have burly logs. Uh, Kane was cutting up salmon, feeding it to it, like chunks of it to try and keep it at the boat. But it was just it was just fixated, fixated on the seven gill. Yeah. It yep. just didn't run to have a bar of us. Anyway, that buggered off. Easterly wind came. 15 knots, wind against tide, couldn't keep a line, hooked the anchor, lost my bloody um, lost that many rigs, said to Kane, I'm going home. You went, cracked it. Went, went to put went to pull my anchor up. My anchor was stuck. <laughs> my anchor was as stuck as you could get it. I did 50 circles, let rope out, pulled it across, tried this, tried that. That was frustrating. Nearly sunk it? the boat because of the pressure, like, nose under, under, and it throws you back the other way. <laughs> Scares the crap out of you. And anyway, we lost my anchor, cut that, ordered an anchor on the way home, $700 later, $690 if you want to know the exact how much it cost me because I had to get rope, chain, and anchor. So You're going to cover a little later <laughs> in the show around Red's tip. If you do get your anchor stuck, the best ways to try and retrieve it and, uh, and also caveat to that that it doesn't always work either. I hate fishing. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a massive show of real adventures coming your way this morning. Chatting with Scott Fury a little later in the show. Scott is a Western Australian born and bred. He obviously has Fury Boats, a brilliant boat, Redmond. One of certainly one of Beautiful our, our favourites. And he's also over the last few years, he's bought the um well, I suppose the the whole prince to to smuggler and he's um worked on the design there and created the Fury Smuggler which I actually own an old smuggler, beautiful boat, beautiful lines, uh, and he's just finished his first example of it. It's an absolute weapon of a thing. I think it does close to 50 knots, so we're really looking forward to chatting to Scott around the, the research and development that's gone into this boat and what's being added to a hull um, that has been renowned as a real performance fishing hull in the Australian boating scene. So all that and plenty more coming up on Real Adventures after the break, though. We're finding out what's biting around the country. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Let's find out what's biting in your part of the country and a few sort of notable captures around the place at the moment. We'll start in New South Wales. The Monty Kings Redmond, and you spoke about these last week. There's birds on them at the moment, and they're really firing up. They're not massive fish, but once again, anything that's got a, uh, a yellow tail and starts with a K, we sort of get a bit excited about. It looks like a ninja turtle. <laughs> they're a beautiful fish to catch, and you're right. Those birds are a dead giveaway. We had some beautiful footage we got to see from Birmingham Bait and Tackle. Literally gannets, everything. That's how you... Locating them, not yep. big fish, but really good fish. Uh, the Sydney snapper, they're a little bit different. Up to sort of 60, 70 centimetres. And they will get bigger and yeah. bigger in the next month or so. Different fishing to the way that you and I, tech, you like to throw plastic around here and there. It annoys me a bit, but we like to fish them traditionally in bait, you would say, in Port Phillip Bay. Majority of fish shows on bait. But as we push higher up into New South Wales, you tend to get them more on your soft plastics yep. and your micro jigging. So there's different ways and methods to chase them. So plastics, getting them down, and they can literally get fish up to 10 kilo. And you'll quite often see that these snapper have more of a bump on their head. They're your traditional bumpy-headed snapper. So different fish, I'd say, than what we traditionally catch. And where they come from, I don't know. Is that the technical term, the bumpy-headed snapper? That's what we, That's the scientific name. I, I, I know what you're saying. It just sounds funny when you say it. Well, that's to explain it. Speaking of bumpy head, <laughs> bumpy head snapper, South Australia, Mills Beach producing plenty of salmon uh, and mullet at the moment. Metals doing the damage on the salmon. Um, mullet have been a little bit different. You don't exactly yeah. chase them with a um, with a 30-gram metal lure. No, they've been taking the bait, though, because the bait fishermen are getting a few salmon too, Pat. So pillies, the mullet, a big mullet. They're not small, so they're easy to hook. And in the 
uh, post that I read actually about the salmon there, they actually suggested that they were smoking the salmon up and actually eating it and really enjoying it. So if you do have a smoker, if they say anything tastes good in smoke, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm more of you eat it that night, you know, cut it up into salmon nuggets sort of stuff and then a uh, shitload of sweet and sour sauce. <laughs> I like to refer to it as chickens only $6 a kilo. <laughs> North Haven whiting fishing on fire with squid and pippies. Work in again. That cocktail always works really, really well right around the country for whiting. But the key one we like to talk about is that steady burley trail, keeping that burley trail down to hold those fish with you. Queensland, Hot Heels Pro Charters, they were into the Spanish mackerel on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, sorry, into the Spanish mackerel. They're fishing really well. And heading to the Sunshine Coast, we're seeing captures of dewfish. And live mullet are getting the bigger fish. But if you've got fillet baits, there's a lot of soapies around, so smaller fish around. But the, the, the big fish are really liking the live mullet. Western Australia, Jazz Charters in Frio have been into some huge snapper. Uh, and salmon are still being caught in really large numbers up and down the coast. Obviously, you've got to you've got to pick your spots. They're not going to be in um, off every single beach, but when get you on do a high get head- them in decent numbers... Get on a high there. headland and look down, and you'll see... The, the schools are huge. I saw some footage during the week, like footy fields of them, literally. So and you, you can, can see, like, of the some of them, where the bronzies move the through. The sharks chasing And them. you just see this, <laughs> this curtain just open up, and it's like, oh, hang on. There's something down there. That's, that's, it's that's when you put the salmon on for bait. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just want to mention uh, Lockie Nichols in Tasmania, Pat. He's had a massive week on the swordfish front, hooking multiple fish every time he goes out. Well, Eagle Hawk Neck as well, like, yeah, which is one of, a, one of Australia's well, greatest that's where Lock- fishing destinations. Lockie's fishing out of there. We've had him on the show, and I do want to get him on again. So there's big, fi- there's big, um, there's big tuna as well being caught off there. Paul Worsling like- rang during the week, and he was heading back to his property in Tasmania, and he said one kilometre exactly from his house, 139 kilo. Bluefin was caught and another one of 140-something and he was going to have a look over the next few days. He's gone away it's not with- the same boat traffic, is it? And, and, oh, we'll, and we'll, no. we'll talk about, we'll, we'll cover this off now because this is going to heat up once again simply because of the, the large population that Victoria has and the close proximity to the Port Phillip Bay heads. But last week um, you said you were going to do a bit of a recce, bit of an R&D around... Um, you know, heading out for there's a you know potential potential barrels off off Port Phillip Bay heads. Said no worries, take my boat. It it needs a bit of a run. Hey, I did the first two no, days no, in stop. my boat. This is <laughs> stop. This is my story. This is my story. No, I'll sit back and listen. Take my boat. You know, no worries. All right. You sure? No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, I get a call from you that and a and a a, 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 a FaceTime. photo FaceTime. FaceTime. Um, your brother's in the back of my boat, bent over on this rod. The swell is maybe six or seven metres. It looked like George Clooney in A Perfect Storm. wasn't small. And it looked like more than a recce. And three <laughs> hours later, or whatever it was... One hour. You were coming back in, in, in pretty much pitch black, going through Port Phillip Bay heads. Pitch black, okay, it was like five o'clock. It was getting, it was, it was dark. <laughs> it was getting dark. Um, Bluefin on the back. That's the... That that's not a recce. That's fishing. Yeah, I uh, I didn't want my boat full of blood and guts. And there's a hundred and forty five kilo tuna sitting on the back deck. Secretly, you loved it. I found it <laughs> hilarious because I knew you were excited that there's the potential. You know, you'd seen, you'd been out a few times and yeah. sort of seen the bird life. And I know you were saying there's got to be fish here. I just didn't want them in the back of my boat. <laughs> you weren't complaining when you bought yours in. Now you're talking. <laughs> you're talking. There's not only big southern blues there now, yeah. which are like, and, and we'll preface this with: they are not easy to catch. No, it's, it's hard work. But there are starting. <laughs> it blows us away. But there's some really big numbers of school bluefin, which I mean, traditionally we've started to see less of, or we used to. But now it just—it's a straight seems up like it's an all year round. It's fishery. a straight up twelve month, twelve month of year fishery. I have not seen. You said you were blown away. We used caught. to say, yeah. Well, we used to we used to say twelve month fishery. Oh, in the in the state. So, like, I'm talking from Mallacoota to say Portland. Yeah. So Portland, you Port, get a summer you know, run of fish. Talking Port Mac and, on the you know yeah. edge of you know yeah. South Australia, Victoria. Now, literally, we've just had the whole summer of bluefin, 
Right now, we're coming into the cusp of winter. It's bloody freezing. The water temp's as cold as it's going to get. It's like 13.8, 14 degrees. The, the school tuna out there are prolific. They are literally everywhere from the shank to your place. Yeah. And I've just got no interest in them. How, but this is, Kane and I had this conversation during the week. How bad is it? We're like, oh, stupid school fish, stupid school fish. How lucky but, are we? But like six months ago, when we were chasing them, it's like, where are they? Let's find them. Or three years ago, when the fishery yeah, was not even... It wasn't even here. Yeah. So, well, to an extent, been, you know. Yeah. Well, I, no, it wasn't, because like, for instance, we're chasing that school, the school sharks the other day, and I just had tuna jumping all around me everywhere. <laughs> like, if they would, like, every where we go, school tuna. Well, now we're fixated on the barrels. It's literally like, go away, school fish. Like, we just don't... It's, and we're not being disrespectful to the fishery, but we've got our mindset on what we want to do for the day. And if we want to top it off with the school fish at the end of the day, we've got the freedom to do that now. And these barrels that I, we chase, now I worked this life, in all honesty, for three weeks, trying to chase them, thinking I've marked them up, maybe here, maybe there. And I reckon I found a small patch of fish of these barrels. Yeah, Couldn't get them to eat anything. The moon stuffed me as well. And then a friend of mine went out and he was a bit further down from us, but similar life he had. And he hooked one and landed it. And I've gone, crap, I need to go. So this was on the weekend. And I knew the rough weather. I hadn't had any rough weather because we had quite still. And I'm like, yeah. I need to utilize. We've got rough weather coming. It's building on the Monday. I'm like, I need to utilize this weather. Yeah. So that's where I went out. That's why I contacted you and said, do you mind if I pinch your boat? Because your boat's a bit comfier in the rough. No, no. You said you were taking it for, for a, a look. look. Well, it actually was for a look and a catch. So we you hooked. mention the second part. <laughs> it was my brother's first uh, barrel bluefin. You tried telling me if you had barrels on the sounder that you wouldn't have put a lure out and tried to catch one there, Patrick? Yeah, you would have. And brother's first barrel, 140-odd kilo. It was a beautiful fish, and we managed to um, yeah get that. And then we got one the next day that we released. And then also, the days afterwards got less and less, and everything disappeared. So you're not going to go out there like you are at Port Mac and be 100% confident, and then... There was boats all out over the weekend that were there, and there's nothing there. No one's hooked a fish. No one's seen a fish. There's a bit of life there still that you could work with, like I did. I was more hoping the day we got fish that we got lucky. I just wanted to check it out as well, and it paid off for us. We just got really lucky. Played right place. But you've got to you've got to be willing to go out in conditions that are you know less than favourable in order to give yourself the 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 ideal chance. chance. But the the other factor, Pat, though, people don't realise that I spent. Probably, without you know, honesty, probably three grand in fuel looking for these fish over three weeks. Yeah, like yeah, I would have used right. over over a thousand liters and trying to look for for these fish. And it speaks to, I mean, where the whole trend in trailer boat is going, bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, because all of a sudden we're seeing, you know, examples of really big captures, really close to home. You don't have to travel four hours to Portland. You, you know, if you've got a boat that's big enough that can match the swell at times, safely, that it's here to be able to catch. Like, the whole market is changing dramatically from, you know, what was once just fishing Port Phillip yeah. Bay heads to now, all right, you need to learn how to navigate going out through it. But once you do, and if you've got a boat that's big enough and you've spent enough, um, there's fish there to actually be caught that are... Great fish. ...that are beyond just, you know, catching a, a whiting and a flathead outside of Port Phillip Bay heads. Now, we're talking proper game 10 to fish. 15 years ago when I was charter fishing... There used to be us, myself, and the charter boat I worked on, and maybe three to five other charters out on a Saturday on a northerly wind. You yeah. go out there on a Saturday now, there could be um, up to 500 boats yeah. out of the Port Phillip Bay heads for how much it's changed. Yeah. We've never seen boats out there. Just the local guys, realistically, that fished out the front. And not picking on the Melbourne crew, but the Melbourne crew were never out there. They always went away to Portland on their holidays. Correct. They did yeah. this. There was never outside because the Because that's, that's where the high percentage where, captures that's were. That's right. Exactly spot on. That's where the captures were. But now they're here. And when I say here, to my area. And the heads, I'm just going to say it again, just be a bit smart with it. It's a shit place to be, Pat. It is a, it's not a nice place. Like, when I would chase these fish during the week, you, you mentioned we had some big seas and we had some strong winds. It was 20-knot wind with four, building four-plus metre swell right up to six, I reckon, at times. But... I knew what I was doing. I was in control. I went out the heads on slack water. I waited for the flood tide to run. I knew where I could get through the rip. And it was, I went through at 70 kilometers an hour in your boat coming in. It was perfectly fine. Didn't even notice that we went through and it was the middle of the tide. So it's about local knowledge. And that was the, the chance that I had. And a couple of days later, we, I messaged you and asked you to go out again because it was going to be hairy again instead of taking mine. And it was me and another local guy out there who knew the rip. He actually went out before me and goes, oh, it's a bit hairy, but you'll be fine. We was, went out and it was a bit it was hairy, half, but it was fine. Yeah, it was half a foot of swell that day. But 
Um, yeah, yeah half fun. a foot of a swell on top of the six metres of it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, it was rough. Uh, we're gonna be we gotta be quick here because we've oh. we've punched in, into some time. But the social club um, will knock off a couple. Now we love your conversations and getting involved um, in in shooting questions when you can. Um, it's been pretty busy this week, but I'll just get to a few Redmond, particularly this one from. Um, for Jace because he'd sent he'd sent us a, a few weeks in a row. Um, Aaron, what's your preferred tide at the moment for catching big numbers of whiting? Cheers, Jace Broad Meadows. Tide is the key. It's just the word of the tide. Tide's your key word. You just need tide. Ingoing or outgoing. It just need it to be working. Yep. You just need to follow those tides around your moons. Pick the better one. Pick the stronger one. And that'll be the one that has the fish. Jump on Willy Weather. Look at the graph that shows you the up and down bits for the South Channel or something down in Port Phillip Bay Heads. And you'll literally see that bigger tide. We're off the moon at the minute. I know we are building up to a new moon at some point coming up. But at the moment, tides are good. So you just want a bit of flow in the water. And that's what's going to catch you more fish. It's important to note when when we talk about tide and that movement, it's not like, okay, t- tides, you know, it sits high at 2 o'clock. I'm going to get my boat out at 2 o'clock and then make my way down to the um, you know, jetty or, or boat ramp launch and then go to the spot. You've got to be prepared before that out there to give yourself the good chance to yep. actually be on the water for a couple of hours with that tide change. You want the tide moving. Yeah, you want the tide moving leading up. That actual tide change is when you don't want to be there. That's the time that you want to be sort of sitting back having your lunch yep. or a nice cold beer. <laughs> Next question. We've got one time for one more. Which one do you want to fall into here? You want... Yeah, last one. Uh, Luke, uh, as the water cools, have we missed the last opportunity for kingfish along the Victorian coastline? Yeah, I'm going, I'm going, yes, straight up. Yep. I wouldn't be bothering too much now. Yep. You might get something off Malacuta or down the likes of there, but that water's freezing cold. It's got cold, and with kingfish like warm water, they'll come back when it hits that 16, 17 plus, and then uh, that's when they'll start. We'll start seeing captures of them, as we do. But uh, I wouldn't be – I'd be committing to other things, Luke, rather than doing the yep. older kingfish chasing thing, which – doesn't necessarily pay off at this yep. time of the year. Beautiful work, Redmond. That is the social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or myself, then shoot it through to our Real Adventures socials. We'll do our best to get back to you uh, each and every week. This is Real Adventures. All aboard for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack and go. Time for All Aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure at Dometic.com. Our special guest this morning is Scott Fury from Fury Custom Boats. Good morning, Scott. Good day, mate. How are you going? Going well. Now, when we've spoken to you in the past, we've always spoken about the 28-footer, whether it be the centre console or the dual console, and it's been the maxi trail end of town. But over the last little while, you've... Um, you've steered Smuggler in a slightly different direction and it's pretty damn exciting. Take us through Fury, the Smuggler 660. Well, mate, we got the moulds probably about a year and a half ago now and we've totally revamped everything from the windscreen to the dash. Um, we didn't want to move away too much from the heritage of the hull and the design. Um, we It just had a real cult following of being a, you know, a great performing boat. One of the things that I think, obviously you being over in the West, you get dealt with some incredible wins at different stages. It's not always been a boat that, that people have looked at it and immediately gone, yep, that'll that'll handle super well um, at rest. Now, I've actually owned one of these boats, so I have a, have a huge affinity for them because I, I just love them. Um, but with what goes into it and the weight of the actual boat, there's a few sort of misconceptions out there. Like it's a, it's a beautiful performing boat, but at rest, yes. I've always found um, it never to be an issue. And I had a, a big V8 in the back of mine, but with what goes into yes. a modern boat now, they're weighty things. So they do sit lower than what they once did. That's correct. We, um, we put a fair bit of glass into this boat because I was really going to push it hard just to really test it. And being my first boat, you know, we, we, we really had to get the glass into the bottom of it. And um, and I set up the flooding keel in it. Previous moulds had actually had the flooding keel set up. Um, and that actually helps its stability quite a lot, having that, that uh, flooding keel. And that drains out probably within a couple of seconds and holds probably a couple hundred litres. So 
that really transforms the boat, turns it probably into a 21-degree dead-rise boat, really, because the, the smuggler's got, you know, the reputation and the 30-degree dead-rise. So, um, so, yeah. Pretty much anyone that you ever talk to, or certainly that we've spoken to on the show that's owned a smuggler at some stage, all say the same thing. I wish I had kept the boat, you know, like that. There is a real cult following around it. Yeah. How have you managed to... One, you, you, you purchase the hull designs, all right, you're going to incorporate it into your range. So yes. you've, got to, you've got to do justice in, in a sense to, all right, how historically significant it is sort of in the Australian boating landscape and how well, um, well revered it is. But also you've got to put your own touch on it and how you add to, um, you know, what is a, is a boat that needs to be able to, um, you know, compete against all these new age craft well yeah we we really couldn't change the whole design at all we, we made a few little tweaks to it but it was really from the from the gunnel up you know the hull performed exceptionally well and you just could not you couldn't change too much of it but getting the windscreen and modifying the dash to in, incorporate those screens incorporate big screens and all that kind of stuff is what really what people are after now so, and getting that look. So we put a lot of time into the screen. You know, we've got a lot of split mouldings, which takes us more time to set up, but it just gives us both that look and, and drags it out of the, you know, from those eras of the 80s, 90s and 2000s. It's probably into, the most contemporary know, dash on a, on a boat offered in the Australian market at the moment. Take us yes. through that process around this particular, this is your, your, the first one that you've done, but it's in this beautiful yep. gloss black take us through yes. the the time and sort of r&d that went into all right we, this is how we're going to shape it because it's quite upright you know a, a lot of people when purchasing boats now you see they actually change the the angle on their dashes to suit the the screens that they'll throw mount because the dash is too flat so you end up having to have this sort of custom box that people add to it but You've gone one yeah. step further and you've re-engineered the whole dash so the whole thing sits upright. That's right. We really wanted to hide all the wiring too. And by making a separate mould that fits onto the boat, we can basically fit everything to the dash and then put it into the boat after. Um, and that conceals a lot of stuff. You can get more screens in there. Currently on the demo, I've got three Simrad 9-inch screens. So one's on the passenger side and two on the driver's side. But the driver's side can can incorporate two twelves if it needs to. Yeah. It's probably a little bit of overkill. But um <laughs> it looks but good it just though. Gives it, that wow, <laughs> it looks good though and it gives it that wow factor. You know, it just really that's the first thing that you get into the boat. You go in and you look at the dash. You want to see what electronics in there. And this thing, you know, yeah, being a demo, we put everything into it. Now it needs to obviously run well to to sell well and for you to Yes add it to the range that you've got with the 282 centre console and the dual console, both fabulous boats in their own right. So it needs to yep. match at least the performance of those boats. Take us through the numbers on the water because uh, we were speaking off air. It surprised even you just how well it goes. Yeah, it, it just loves doing 34, 35 knots. just loves that speed. Um, it loves to be pushed. Um you know, we've had this one up to 46, 46 knots with the 250 uh, Mercury V8 on it and just gets up and goes. Um, fuel economy's been fantastic with that too. Um, but the next builds that we're doing, they're, they're going to be cupped up with some V6s, so we're very keen to see what they go like. Yep. Um, but the fuel, fuel economy with this motor is really quite good. And was it a conscious decision for you? Were you out in the market looking for something new for, for Fury boats? Was it... Was it opportunistic? Because you are at the bigger end of town, certainly when it comes to the, the, the trailer boat market is right on the very edge. You, you obviously need a truck to tow them. But this one is different because it is more of your your everyday user in a sense. You can trailer it all over the, the, the country and, and quite comfortably. That's right. I've actually you know, got used to the 28 and now I can go to the boat ramp and you know, I can find a nice, decent parking bay, which I couldn't, couldn't do, <laughs> which I couldn't do before when I had a 28 on there. But 
look, when when we come up with this with this whole got offered to me, I, I didn't really know too much about the smuggler. I heard about it, but every, when I did the research, it was just so positive, and I couldn't let it go. Yeah, you know, it was just one of those things that I just had to get my hands on, and and I've actually found the mould. They were sitting out in Kalamunda, which is out of the hills, out of Perth, and they've been sitting out there for quite some time. So we really had to start again. I looked at refurbishing all the moulds and. And getting them all all back up, but it was just too hard. So we had to start a whole new, uh, a new hull mold, new deck mold, um, new dash, new windscreen mold. We had to do everything really, and that took us a lot lot more time than what we expected. But um, it certainly, it certainly looks really good now, and I'm just so happy to finally have it all done. Chatting with Scott Fury from Fury Custom Boats, their range, uh, including their. 282 center console, their Fury 282 dual console, and now adding the Fury Smuggler 660. Very much a trailable boat, but at the top end of town when it comes to speed. Is there anything else that you've looked at through this first process in this demo model, Scott, that you've gone, all right, we're gonna we're gonna add to it in a sense, or or are you really quite pleased with with what you've come up with, which Essentially, is it's your first real go at at you know purchasing something. All right, I'm going to add your own add your own flair to it. Is there anything that you look and go, all right, we're going to we're going to tinker with this, or have you been quite pleased with with the end result that you've got? Because obviously, Bimneys um, are all new for this boat, and from what yep. it looks like on your socials, you, you seem to have, have nailed it. Albeit, it's very much um, centered around what I would say the West and having that. Having that sun coverage with with just how strong it can be over there. Yeah, well, with getting the protection and having that uh, shade was crucial. I've only just actually fitted the clears, and we're still evol- this boat is still evolving actually, so we're still adding to it. I still get more. I've got a few more ideas. Um, we had a lot of people wanting to actually put a deposit down when we first got the mold. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it properly. I wanted to get in the water, test it, um, get everything done on it. Um, but there's always things that I can add on and if somebody wants to come in and they want to change a few things, we're happy to do that. Um, somebody might want a complete de- dedicated fishing boat. Um, this one's set up for pretty for boats really. It's a bit of a family boat. Um, it's got the luxuries in, in the cabin and all that kind of stuff but other people might just want a wave breaker set up with a windscreen and we're happy to do that um, as well. I think the other thing is just the, the beautiful um, moulded, side sections of the boat meaning pretty much that it's it's watertight on each side it, it just adds to just how clean it is internally yes yeah it, look when i did the did the internals it just with the windscreen i didn't want any seams when we fitted the molded screen onto it we've actually glassed all that together and detailed all that in so it looks as one um, i'm very fussy with everything and i love you know just being meticulous with everything and Rush, you just can't rush something like this. You've just got to you know, take your time um, and have really good attention to detail with it. Now, you haven't forgot and forgotten your other children, have you? Because there's two other beautiful boats in the lineup. <laughs> How yeah. is it when you do bring in a new, you know, a, a new kid to the stable, just keeping, you know, not all attention focused on that? Because the other two boats are obviously. Uh, where the name has been built and and, and so well That's regarded. Right. Yes, uh, I'm doing a duel now, and yeah, I still get a kick out of doing that. Um, I, I love the smuggler though, but um, I, yeah, we we still love doing the other ones, the DC and the CCs, and we've pretty been pretty busy now. And I'm doing doing a trim rig now, which we're just completing, so which is fully kitted. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to get back into one of those and get one of those in the water. So so yeah. Before we let you go, Scott, what's your what's your predictions for the marine industry? Obviously, it's been a really challenging period um, throughout COVID, and and yes. it's affected the industry in many ways. At the moment, supply is quite you know clearly one of the biggest challenges. But do you look at yes. it and and do you see opportunity? Do you see it being a challenging you know next twelve months? What are you seeing in the industry that um, perhaps others aren't? I can see it being very very challenging. Um, like you said, just just the demand for engines and you name it, it's just been very difficult. But I, I think people just have to be patient. And um, I'm a very small operator. We do a certain amount of boats a year. Um, 
but yeah, I think it will get better. I think the next, I think we've got a little bit of a more rough, rough weather ahead, but I think probably in about another year, I think we should be out of it and we should be okay with demand, with supply and everything. So, so yeah. Well, you do build one of the best boats in the country. For more information on Fury Custom Boats and the 660 Smuggler, which were featured today, head to furycustomboats.com.au and get in touch with Scott and he'll point you in, in the direction of the different models that he's got. They are absolutely beautiful boats. Scott, thanks for your time this morning on Real Adventures. Thanks very much for having me again. That was all aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Red's Review for Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. It's time for Red's Review, our product review of the week, thanks to Club Marine. And Redman, you'll like to Club Marine. Club Mar- Did I say Club? Oh, you said something. Club Marine. I'm going to have to type on these, I think. Do you want to do this? Because you'll enjoy this. <laughs> We're reviewing uh, Dometic's PGE 121, their portable inverter generator, Redmond, and none of this... Petrol of- operated, this thing better be. <laughs> this is not one that runs off solar panels, Patrick. <laughs> no, this is your full-blooded, flammable petrol. This is the best thing we've discussed on the show. <laughs> now, <laughs> as we continue to sort of push the far ends of Australia and where we travel to, this is where uh, the portable inverter generator comes into its own. Um, $1,500, it's not expensive, but has the ability uh, to charge your RV house batteries um, and, and your power sensors, sort of electronics, such as your RV air conditioners, laptops, portable fridge freezers, all those sorts of things when you're, when you're well off the grid and when you don't necessarily have um, you know, enough solar power or, an, or enough solar panels in order to charge and, and keep your caravan um, you know, or, or, at, or outdoor um, RV going. So this is where it comes into, in, in, its, in its own and, and in, in a sense it's, um, it's really for 1500 bucks. it's great peace of mind because it's not big for one. But the ability to power those, um, you know, your RV, your air conditioner, laptops, portable fridge freezers is, is important. It's also got USB slots and all those sorts of things and it's easy to carry and handle because it's got the extendable um, height adjustable handle, which not too many have. So it's only maybe like I say, for example, a five litre tank in it for fuel. Yes, correct. Yep. So it's only fifteen grand to fill it up as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 there is that. <laughs> but you keep complaining that I keep focusing. No, I'm all for this. On, I think this on is batteries. Terrific. This is your, this is your petrol powered power. I'm, I think this is the best product we've, review we've done because uh, I actually went camping out in Jellybrand not too long ago, and they had one of these attached to the back of their house. And I'm th- I said to Gibber. There's not a possibility in hell this thing is going to have the fridge running in the house, have this running, this and that. It yep. it, it worked. It literally worked up an absolute treat. It did not cut. It would only cut out when we ran out of fuel once, and we had to fill it back up. Well, well, this will do the same thing. <laughs> there, there is something. It does need fuel in order to run. Uh, but for more information, Dometic.com. And as we said, fifteen hundred bucks online at the moment. Do yourself a favour, look it up and uh, and buy yourself. Grab yourself a bargain. So it's not very sunny this time of the year, Patrick. <laughs> no, exactly right. That is our review for Club Marine. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Insure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's Tip. And we spoke off the top of the show because you lost an anchor during the week. I shouldn't be giving this tip. (laughs) (laughs) I'm giving you a tip on how to get an anchor out, but I didn't actually get my anchor out. But you couldn't do it. I quit. But it's an important one because you've been in plenty of positions before where you have... I had a you've your anchor's been stuck, but you've managed to get it off the seafloor. I've only lost two in I reckon five years, and that's, that's pretty impressive that, for someone that I fishes. Got, I got another one stuck, but I dove down and got it. So beyond getting out of the boat and going scuba diving, um, <laughs> talk us through. If you get your anchor stuck, 
the tips for getting it off. So the first one is whenever you're pulling an anchor up, you actually want to drive over where you laid your anchor in. Yep. So if, say, for example, you're falling from north to south. And you're 40 metres off your chain. Yep. So you want to actually drive past where you've laid it in to hopefully pull it out the other way and press up. Be mindful you don't want to run over it with the engine, but that's the angle you want to you drive up on. Yep. That's sort of the number one thing that I like to do. Number two, if you do get it stuck there, just use a white is stuck and you're on that first angle. I give it a little bit of power with your engine and you'll feel your nose dig in. Generally, that pops it out. That'd be enough to pull it out and break whatever it is it's stuck on. Pull it out. If you are to the next stage that I found myself in, let more rope out. Yep. Try to get as much as you can out, nearly your whole spool. So you're trying to take the tension off where the the anchor's been hooked under a rock or in SeaWorld or whatever it is, trying to take that tension off. Yep. And you want to also, not only that, change the direction of angle. So you've got to remember, if you're sitting on top of it, you're just trying to pull it straight up. So you're trying to pull it up and down, up and down. Where if you let all your rope out, say you're in 30 metres and you've got 130 metres of rope and you get the angle of 100 metres, don't know what that will end up being, but well, I'm no mathematician, Patrick, but as we sit off it... That I wasn't aware of. <laughs> that we, as we sit off it, the angle actually will change the direction that you're pulling the anchor out on. Particularly and, with the weight of the chain that is no longer vertical. Yeah, 100%. Horizontal. Yeah, it lays it down. It does all... but And you try and go the way that it laid in. That's probably the way that it's probably going to be falling into, but yep. chain can do its own thing at times. But it also comes down to how you lay it down too. So don't just drop your anchor down and sit on top of it and all bundle in one spot. You want to have a little bit of reverse to actually lay that chain flat so it also helps you not lose your anchor as well. Yep. So there's another method there. So if you do get it stuck, leave it tied to the front, however you've done it, whether you've tied it on or to your winch or whatnot. Don't tie it to the back of your boat and try and drive because you will pull the arse end under and drown yourself and you will literally flood your boat uh, and We've had that question a few times. Oh, haven't it's, we? I've and actually it's a, I made the mistake when I was younger. I'll be honest. I tied it to the back to try and rip it out. It was that stuck. I actually lost this one, and I and the whole I was lucky. I was in Stabycraft at the time with the flotation, and it actually bounced. But I, I bounced up. Thank God. I reckon if I had been in the boat I was in now, not being as buoyant as the Staby, yeah, I probably would have been in a bit of fair bit of trouble. So I just wanted my anchor back that day. But in saying that. Be safe when you do it. It's a horrible feeling when you do drive up on it and it does pull back in when you're using power. It'll literally 360 you around like it's scary. It'll, But be safe when you're doing so and retrieving it and hopefully those tips can save you $690 like it saved me uh, on Wednesday or Thursday this week. Uh, Beautiful yeah. work, Redmond. That's Red's tips. Now time for the flying gaff. And a crew out of Auckland have been caught with 45 times the legal daily limit. and. That's roughly 200 kilos of snapper. Uh, the 95 in total, Redmond. Um, pretty safe to say they are our gaffs. And can I just ask you? Week. Can I ask you what you were doing this time last week? Saturday morning. What were you doing this time last week? Uh, well, I was still asleep, to be honest. Bit of, well, that's fine. Bit yeah, no, that's in, good. I wasn't catching. No, you obviously four, weren't listening. 400 snapper. You obviously weren't listening to the show because that was the gaff that I did last week. No, I didn't. <laughs> we'll let you off this week. So I'm you, gaffing you. You're you giving me the gaff. <laughs> you just said my gaff from last week. Where was that? I just read that. I'm like, hold on. You knew this. I'm like, no, you, I, no, I just you read it. Set there. Me up. I'm like, did I copy and paste that in there? And I didn't. You set me up. Because it was already there in your file. You and, set me up. And I've gone, I, I'm going to leave this because this is actually going to be humiliating. I left it. I, this is going to be humiliating. I thought this was very good. She's some flat. <laughs> I'm actually really impressed with this. I'm going fishing. You've got footy or something or doing something. No, mate. I'm in rehab. I might even come for a beer later. I might come fishing as well. Sounds good. See you next week. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.